with you real quick and turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. And um, we're going to be reading a story out of uh, the, the book of Exodus about Moses and some stuff that happened to him and Israel. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8 says this, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So, jo so Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and on the, and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Father, we give you thanks this morning for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that this is your word. And we open our hearts, our minds, our souls to receive it. And today, Lord God, I thank you that even as you speak your word, that, Father, our lives will not be the same in Jesus' name. Father, I pray, Lord God, you'd wear me like a glove this morning, that you'd be the substance of everything that's said, and that, Father, we would sense and know what the Lord is saying to us. And we, Lord God, we promise at the end of this time that we will give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. I want to tell you quickly about uh, a spiritual leader that I know um, has a huge, huge, huge congregation. In fact, if I told you who he was, you'd know, most of you, if not all of you, would know who he is. Uh, years ago, before, before mega churches were ever mega churches, he had this huge, huge congregation. And, um, and one day, one of his, his leaders uh, really thought he could do things better than he could. And so the guy rose up and um, kind of rose up against him. It became a big infighting type thing. And this leader left and 30% of this church went with this other leader. I mean, the church split was bad. It was terrible. Um, a lot of pain. And, um, but this first leader, guy who had a big congregation, decided, you know what? I'm going to start another work. So he had the, the big church, but then he went to another location, started a work, but it was really small. It was really difficult, just, just a small little congregation. And uh, it, this time, there was no split. This time, he lost the entire congregation. Everybody left. And, um, and he did some work, and he got back some people, and he built the work. Uh, until it grew bigger than it was before. But it took so much effort. It took so much energy. It took a lot of blood. It took a lot of sweat. It took a lot of tears. Um, this guy also had a close relative. 
You'll, you'll think this runs in a family when you hear this situation. This guy had a close relative, really close relative, who also started a work, also went into ministry. And he went into ministry, and his problem was, I mean, even though he loved people, even though he was prophetic and evangelistic, and this guy could teach like nobody else, even though all of those things were happening, somehow he couldn't retain people. People came, and people left. People came, and people left. Uh, it was like a revolving door. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and, and the thing about it is he had put a, a leadership team together and th- th- these guys were always kind of fighting with each other. And um, in fact, one time he was preaching and almost the entire church left because of something he said that was politically incorrect. There was so much infighting in his leadership. After a couple of years, he discovered that one of his leaders was embezzling funds. Another leader... Um, guy was kind of impulsive and this guy attacked a police officer physically. And you think to yourself, what kind of leaders are these, right? You think to yourself, thank God we don't have those leaders in this church. Like Pastor Eber, Pastor would, you know, I mean, that's just not them, you know. But I tell you, if I told you who these leaders were, you would never believe it. The first leader is a guy named God. Huge congregation of angels. And here one of his leaders rose up and took 30% of the angels and left. Started a new work called Adam and Eve. And they all left. (laughs) Uh, The second guy is a guy named Jesus. Yeah. I talk about a guy who uh, uh, everybody came for the bread. And then left when he said he was the bread. And they should eat of him. Man, that, was, that went all really well, didn't it? That was a guy who chose some leaders. And I said, no, I'm going to be it. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. Uh, and then uh, Judas was stealing money. Peter cut off the guy's ear. I mean, psh, come on. And you'd think, being the perfect leaders, they wouldn't have any issues. But they did. And here's the reason why. Because when it comes to doing the work of God, and when it comes to God manifesting Himself in our lives, it doesn't just take good leadership, it takes good followership as well. That our society is so focused on how good the leader is, and if things things fail or if things succeed, it's all the leader's fault. And when you look at it, that's not exactly how the word is written out though. Because even the perfect leaders that we have didn't have no leadership problems. There were issues because leadership is only half of the equation. The other equation, part of the equation is good followers. And you can have the best leader, but if you have poor followers, then there's hardly any things that will get accomplished. You see, when a good leader hooks up with a God, when a God leader hooks up with a good uh, follower, guess what? Power takes place. Good results takes place. Profit takes place in the life of the follower. Hallelujah. That's right. You see, watch this. Good leaders and good followers equals God's best. So how do we become good followers? 
I'm going to show you. It happens in this book of Exodus chapter 17. You see, the first thing that we need to recognize is that good followers see their leaders properly. They see their leaders properly. What do you mean? Let's look at what happened with Moses. Uh, Amalek came to fight with Israel. And verse 9 says this. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us. I love how Mo Moses speaks to Joshua here. Choose us, some men, and go out and fight with Amalek. And I will stand on the top of the hill. That's kind of interesting. Uh, now, now, just, just kind of imagine it for a second. Um, this is their first fight ever. Israel just came through the Red Sea. They didn't fight anybody for that, okay? They just came through. They got manna. They got some quail. They got some stuff. This is the first time we even hear the name Joshua in the Bible. This is the first time we're talking about Joshua. This is the first time they're having a fight. And, jo and Moses says, hey, Joshua, get some men and go and fight. I'm going up the mountain. Now, if you don't see your leader properly... You'll be like, um, excuse me, <laughs> I must do all the work while you are up on some mountain. <laughs> it's like, you know, like almost like Moses saying, I'm going to be in the stands watching you. And you do all of the work down here. Listen, we've never fought before. That's okay. I'm going to be on the mountain. It's, uh, aren't you supposed to be our leader? But because Joshua saw Moses properly, he could walk through that instruction. Joshua saw that Moses was the anointed of God. He recognized that God appointed that leader in his life for his benefit. And that if you don't see him as the appointed of God for your benefit, you're going to have a hard time following him properly. You've got to see him. In other words, here's what happens a lot of times. Sometimes we follow our leaders in action, but not in attitude. Sometimes we follow our leader in belief, but not in, be in behavior, but not in belief. Are you with me? Sometimes we, we, we come to church, watch this, to be entertained, but not instructed. In other words, we want our leader to be our cheerleader, but not our coach. Now, Pastor Eben says it all the time. He says, you know what? So many people see me as their preacher, but not their pastor. It's great to get a word, but you don't see him as the one bringing your word. And Moses had that same problem. Because for the first part, for, since Moses went back to Egypt, got these people free, everybody saw Moses as a comforter, but not as their commander. And so they were okay with his leadership until they became uncomfortable. How many of you know that there are people who come to church every week and as long as we are stroking their backs, they're fine. But don't rustle my feathers or I'm out of here. And Moses had that problem. Moses, I can't believe. Oh man, Moses, that thing with the sea was great. Um, where's the food? Where's the beef? <laughs> right? 
Right? Most everything was great. I was like, we're kind of thirsty right now. So guess what? You know what? Forget you. Forget. We're going back to Egypt. I can't believe you brought us out here. Da, 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 da. I mean, everything was great until we got uncomfortable. And now that they're uncomfortable. So, so here's what happened. God had to keep proving to them that Moses was the leader over and over and over again. He had kept keep showing up and keep showing out over and over and over again. And one of the symbols that God used to kind of prove that Moses was this leader was this rod. And that rod symbolized, I'm with this man. So stretch your hand rod over the sea, it split open. Hit the rock with the rod, it it, it started to gush water. That rod. So when Joshua went to the people to say, hey, Moses says we need to go fight. And they said, "Um, where's Moses? So, well, he's he's going up on the hill. Uh, Who are you again? Josh? You remember me? We used to play in the sand together when we were younger. That's all there was to play together was sand. You remember us, right? Remember? Oh, and, uh, and Moses wants it. Yeah, but he's going up with the, oh, he's going up with the rod. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. I, I brought um, an exact replica of the rod this morning <laughs> to show you. And... Um, Moses said, I will stand on the hill with the rod. You see, everything looked wrong. A nation of untrained slaves about to fight their first war and their leaders on a hill. The only thing that made sense for them was that he had the stick in his hand. Because every time he used the stick, something miraculous happened. Are you with me so far? All right, the stick, that stick, that rod, that was the anointing of God on the man of God. In other words, there are times when you will hear an instruction from the man of God that makes no sense. And the only reason you can follow that instruction and do it right is because you know the anointing of God is on the man of God and you've seen it work in the past. Once you see him as the anointed of God, then you can do what he said to do. Because even though it may not make sense, you know it always works. Are you with me so far? If you're going to be a good follower, you can't do it based on logics. You've got to be doing it based on the anointing of God, on the man of God in your life. So Moses had the rod. And that rod meant... A couple of things. Four things. One, it meant God's presence. I love what Pastor I was saying today. It meant God's presence was with them when he had that rod. Uh, you saw that in Egypt. And God wiped out Egypt with all the plagues. It meant God's power was with them when he had that rod. The Red Sea split open. You saw that. It means protection. Protection. Because when Egyptian army walked in, Moses stretched his rod over the sea and it swallowed them up. It meant provision. It meant his presence, his power, his protection, his provision. And time and time again, you'll walk in this, this room right here. You'll sit down and you will sense God's power, protection, provision, and presence in this place. How many times have you walked in here and Pastor Eben stand up and says, I just really sense that somebody with this situation you're going through. And say, if that's you, stand up. Guess what? That's God's power in the place. Are you with me? 
How many times have you been here and he would say a word and you'd be like, oh man, that's exactly what I needed. Amen. That's God's, that's God providing an answer, providing wisdom for you when you didn't even know that you're going to get it from here. And because the anointing is on the man of God, because the stick is in Moses' hands, I know we will prevail. But I've got to see that, right? Because if I don't see him as the real leader, I will say, what is he doing up there while I'm down here fighting? Can you hear me this morning? Amen. Number two, a good follower submits to their leader personally. Uh, Verse 10 says this, listen, verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Joshua did as Moses said to him. That's that's huge right there. Listen, he didn't do it just because everyone else was doing it. He was submitted personally. You see, when you submit because you know that you're personally called by God to be under the leadership in this house. That's critical to good followership. You've got to know that this is your man of God. You've got to know that this is your set place. You've got to know that God called me here. When you walked in that one time and you felt the Lord saying, this is where you're supposed to be. When you felt that, when you sensed that, that was God saying, this is it. Listen, he's not T.D. Jakes because T.D. Jakes is somebody else's man of God. He's not Bishop Hilliard. That's somebody else. Listen, he's not the person. You've got to know who your man of God is because God will speak your word through your man of God for you. We've got to be submitted to him. And here's the deal. Here's why. Because when we're fully submitted to God, by extension, we're fully submitted to his delegated authority. Look, there are two types of authority. There's direct and there's delegated. Always. There's always two types of authority. Direct and delegated. Direct authority is when the person in charge is directly over you. Delegated authority is when the person in charge has put someone else over you. Are you with me? How you respond to delegated authority tells of your attitude towards direct authority. Well, now. <laughs> so, so, how you submit to Pastor Eben speaks more about your heart of submission toward God. Because delegated authority. Look, I- I'll give you an example. When they complained against Moses and Moses went to the Lord. Here's what the Lord said. They're not complaining against you. They're complaining against me. When, when, uh, when the people went to, to Samuel and they said, listen, we don't want no more prophets over us. We want a king over us. So Samuel went to the Lord and, oh Lord, oh Lord, I can't believe they've rejected me. God said, they have not rejected you. They've rejected me. All right, say, Pastor, uh, do you have that anywhere? Okay, Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. 
Stay, stay in Exodus, but we're, we're jumping. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Here's what the word says. Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to governing to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from, except from God. And the authorities that exist are what? Appointed by God. Here's, the, here's verse 2. Listen to this. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. When you resist the authority, you in fact resist God. Now I'm not talking about doing foolish things. You know, like, you know, I ain't talking about, hey, you know, the authority telling you to do something immoral or unbiblical. Or, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. So just rule that out. It, sometimes I think we use the exception to make the excuse. Okay? Don't use the exception as an excuse for what the principle is. The principle is when a direct authority del delegates an authority, how you respond to the delegated authority reflects how you respond to the direct authority. It's, it's an idea of submission. You see, we obey men in authority because God's authority is on them. I'm going to say that again. We obey men in authority because God's authority is on them. You see, submission isn't about honoring the leader's performance, his perfection, or his personality. It's about honoring the leader's position. And that's all that really matters. When the president walks in, we say, Mr. President, whether we voted for him or not, because the position carries an authority with it. It doesn't matter who holds the position. The fact that the position exists is what we submit to. You've got to take your eyes off of Moses and put it on the rod. <laughs> You've got to take your eyes off Moses. Man, forget who he married. Okay, for those of you who don't know that, you know, the, his, brother, his, his, his br brother and his sister were upset with who he married. So they spoke against him. And then the Lord cursed his sister with leprosy because they were, they were down in the man because of who he married. Listen, it don't matter. Don't t put your eyes on Moses. Put it on the rod. It's God's anointing on the man. You can't, use, you can't use the man's humanity to discredit him from his position because it wasn't his humanity that earned it. It was God's favor. When a good follower is submitted to God's leader, expect God's results. What kind of results? Well, first of all, Moses had a rod. And Joshua had a sword. Now I know this doesn't look like much. But a long, long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Ask Darth Vader. He knows. He knows. So... 
Joshua had a sword. And the sword represented, watch this, all his effort, all his skills, all his intellect. It represented all his contacts. It represented his degree. It represented everything that he had worked at and he could bring to the table. This was Joshua's sword. But Moses had a rod. And that represented God's power, his presence, his provision, and his protection. Hallelujah. Watch this. Every time the rod went down, the sword became useless. Because you can be really good at wielding this, but you'll never get God's results without this. Are you with me? You can be really good at doing all the things in business and you're doing all the things on your job and you're doing all of that and you don't hear the word. You don't connect with the man of God. You don't get the anointing transferred from him to you. And what happens is that you only earn what your sword can earn for you. But when you connect with the rod, you not only get what the sword gets, you get the power of God working on your behalf. These guys had never fought before. Believe me, they weren't doing so well with the sword. But every time Moses' hand went up, all of a sudden the Amalekites going, where did these guys learn to fight? Because the power of God was now available to them. That's why when you walk in here, watch this. After doing all that you can in your workplace this week, and you walk in here and get a word, and all of a sudden you're going, Psh. Now I know what to do. You know what that was? That was the rod. Every time you come in here and you have some issue that you somehow can't face alone or something that you just don't know what to do and you walk out of here feeling different, feeling like God is on your side, that was the rod. Your sword can only get you so far. You need the rod. And unless you see... Your man of God the way he is and submit to the man of God and the word that he's giving. Guess what? You get nowhere with the sword. But you get everywhere with the rod. Hallelujah. Amen. I tell you this. uh, I just had a guy in my true group uh, on Saturday. Last week Saturday, he, uh, he was talking to us about how... You know, just his finances were messed up. Things were just not going well. He had, a, it, it, he, was, he had a bad week. And this is a guy who always has a good week. You know, one of those? You know, one of those guys that you sit there and just go, you did not have that good a week, really? <laughs> well, this week he had a bad week. And uh, here's what, this Saturday, he met with us and he was like, man, I had a great, and I'm going, a great week again? Like, how did that happen? He said, guess what? If you heard Pastor Eben's word on Sunday and did it, you would see the results. He said, my finances are better. It's got everything that I was worried about last week, Saturday. On Sunday got answered and now it's all changed. Because the sword wasn't enough. He needed a rod. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, this, is, this is good. Oh, praise the Lord. If you don't understand the role of the rod and the one that holds it on your behalf, you will forfeit its work in your life. And here's why. Because you will disregard and disobey its instructions. Pastor will say something about your marriage and you'll say, whatever. 
<laughs> you'll say something about your finances and you'll go, whatever. And because you will have that attitude toward the rod, you will walk back out there all week long. You've got to see him. You've got to submit to him. Here's the other thing. You've got to support him. You've got to support. Good followers support their leaders practically. Not only do we, do we need to see him and submit, but we've got to support. How? We support the leader when we do our part in the work of the ministry. When we, sup- when we encourage him, when we pray for him, when we align ourselves with his vision. When we support him in practical ways. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says this. Oh, I'm in Romans still. Back to Exodus, back to Exodus. Exodus 17. Exodus 17 and verse 12. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. So the first thing was Moses holding up this, this rod but well, how many of you know that after a while holding this thing up, it starts feeling like 50 pounds, right? So then they put a stone on him and he sat down on the stone. When your leader has a need, meet it. It's that simple. Meet the need. Find a way to meet the need. See the need, meet the need. See the need, meet the need. That, that's supporting the leader. At first, Moses only required something to sit on. And when you can see that need and meet it, that's a way of supporting him. But here's the other thing. After a while, his hand started to drop. Let's read on. Here's here's what he said. Uh, Verse 12. And his hands became heavy, so they put a stone under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands on one side and on the other. And one on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. This, here's what. I mean, my mind kind of imagines things a little weird. I imagine Moses doing this for a while. Then I imagine him doing this. <sighs> you ever do that before? <sighs> and so I figured out they put the, the, the thing under him because he was probably down like this. And then after a while it was like, okay, guys, this is getting like crazy right here. And here's what didn't happen. Moses didn't say, hey, Aaron, hold this for me. there's some things you can do for him and there's some things he needs to do by himself you can't be the anointed of God in this house for this people you get that's his role and unless he delegates that come on now you got to hear this unless he delegates that then he is it the, the reason why you will get a word from me or from Pastor Sarah or from a visiting person who comes here is because he has delegated that role to them. But there is a place where only Moses can hold the rod. And there is a victory that only can come through if Moses has the rod. The rod of God in the hand of Moses is what makes the difference. Aaron and her had to get more involved than just giving something and leaving. Now they had to be personally vested in the process of victory. Now they had to be engaged. Now they had to be connected in a way that they weren't connected before. 
It wasn't just about, watch this, it wasn't just about praying for the pastor. No, it was participating in the vision. It, was, it wasn't just about giving a good word. Hey, pastor, man, you're a blessing today. No, it was about showing some works. I'm saying that it took more out of them to hold up his hands than it did to provide a stone. Giving a stone is easy. But when I have to stand with him to make sure his hands do not fall, that takes more than money. It takes my time. It takes my effort. It takes my sacrifice. It takes me getting close and me saying, how can I serve? Man, we get it too good in this house for us to lack volunteers in any department. We get too good in this house for us to lack any kind of support we need in this house. Really, we get too good. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why? Why should I do all this? Why should I see him, submit to him? Why should I I support him? Here's the reason why. Because you benefit. You see, when when God's leader have good followers, we get good results. For the followers. How does that story end? Listen to this. Listen to this. Verse 13. So Joshua defeated Amalek. And his people with the edge of the sword. Joshua defeated Amalek. Who gets the benefit? Joshua gets the benefit. Let me, let me ask you something. When Pastor Eben is studying for a word on a Sunday morning, who benefits? <laughs> it isn't Pastor Eben. He knows the word. <laughs> when he's up late at night praying for somebody on the phone, who benefits? We do. See, when, when he stands up here and says, uh, you know what, I just really sense that somebody has a chronic problem right here in their stomach, stomach area. And uh, who benefits? We do. You see, when the rod is at work, the person holding the sword benefits. And when you're on the job and your marriage is going right and people say, man, how do you do it? Guess what? It looks like you won the victory with your sword. You've got to point them back and say, you see that guy on the hill holding the stick? (laughs) There's a reason why this looks so good. It's because of him. I'm, I'm going to close it with this. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17. Oh, powerful. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you. And be what? Submissive. For they watch for out for your souls As those who must give account. Let them do so how? With joy. With joy. With joy. joy. Not with grief. Watch this. Why? Why not with grief? For that would be unprofitable for you. Let me turn it another way. Do it with joy and it will be profitable for you. Do it with joy. When you submit to them, it becomes profitable to you. When you submit to your to the person that God has put you under, it becomes profitable to you. 
You, uh, I was uh, this Olympics past. I've never seen uh, Olympics focus so much on coaches. They're, the coaches were focused on so many times. And um, uh, just recently, I was looking online and I saw. You know, I, I look up uh, Usain. You know. Uh, yeah, all right. So I was looking online for at this Usain Bolt thing. And um, in August, there was this headline in this British newspaper. Listen to this headline. Bolt locked away. Coach bans Usain from London and life in the fast lane. The world's fastest man has revealed he has been banned from London to stop him being tempted to stay out all night at clubs and bars. His coach did that. And you know what? He went on in the story to say where he was in the country somewhere was so boring. It was so, I mean, he didn't know what to do with himself. All he could do was train. One month later, here's the headline, same newspaper. Coach key to my success, says Bolt. (laughs) You may not like it, but you benefit And if you ignore the coach, if you decide I don't see him as the coach, I don't submit to him as the coach, and I certainly don't support him as the coach, you will never be in the Olympics. Are you hearing me? Because the coach does it for your benefit. And the one thing Usain Bolt knows and all these guys who won gold medal knows is this. That the guy who is above me, the coach in my life is someone who knows what he's saying and he's looking out for my benefit. As long as you can see the man of God as someone who knows God and knows what God is saying and that he has a heart for you, you will always walk in victory in your life. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Bow your heads with me real quick.